Thanks so much. Hey, turn to the guy that's sitting next to you and just say this, I'm, I'm not what I used to be. Say that. Not what I used to be. And then say, I'm not what I'm going to be. I'm not what I used to be. And I'm not what I'm going to be because God is at work in my life, right? That's the thing that really, um, that's what matters to me is that I can believe that God is at work in my life. He's doing something in me because he wants to do something through me. And I need men in my life who sharpen me and challenge me and cause me to, to be better tomorrow. So I'd like to mess with you a little bit today. May I do that? Exactly. There you go. I'd like to meddle a little bit and kind of poke into an area that no one wants to talk about, but we all need to sort of think about, and that is, that's money and giving and generosity and stewardship. I, I, I don't want to be that guy who, who says what I'm about to say, but I'm about to say it. I literally woke up this morning and, and sensed that the Lord wanted me to say something different than what I had planned to say, which is either going to be really fantastic because God has said, you need to deliver this different message or else it's the meatballs that I had last night when I got home. I flew in from Wichita last night about 10 o'clock and my wife had meatballs for me. So will you all let me know if it's meatballs or the Holy Spirit when we're all done, okay? I have about four or five things I'd like to say that come from a passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm going to read the passage, and then I'd like to say those four or five things, and then we'll say amen. that sound good? Okay. This is what the Lord says, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, verses 6 to 11. Paul says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided to give in your heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. That's the word of the Lord. That's, that's the scripture, and that, that will be... 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 to 11 would be something I would recommend that you spend some time in maybe over the next couple of days because I'll try to give you four or five things to think about that, that probably will take some time for you to process. But I'd like to prime the pump a little bit if I can this morning, okay? Sound good? As we dive in here, let me just ask this question. Who's the most generous person you've ever encountered or met? Who is the most generous person you've ever known? Does somebody come to your mind right away? Who comes to your mind? Wife. Your wife. Great. Who else had somebody come to their mind? The most generous person you've ever met? There's a couple that would always give to the youth of our area. Great. Good. Somebody else have something? Yeah. Your wife. Wow. You guys are very fortunate. You're very blessed. Yes, sir. Your parents. Yeah. Good. I think of a guy. His name is Mr. Johnson, Ted Johnson. When I met him, I was a young man, 22 years old. My wife, Susan, and I, newly married, were serving with Campus Crusade for Christ, and 
he was one of those men that supported our ministry. Um, he was a rose grower. In fact, he was the largest rose grower uh, east of California. And he was in Massachusetts. So that's like the whole thing, right? And he would always give my wife a couple of dozen roses whenever we would go see him, which is kind of a, you know, like, how are we doing? You know, this, this dude's giving my wife roses, right? But he was like 85. So I thought, I could probably take him if it came to that. You know? But he was, he was unbelievably generous in his own church, and he was amazingly generous to us in our ministry. And I had this sneaking suspicion that we weren't the only little cute little couple that would come by and see him every now and then for support for their ministry, you know. And I asked him one day, I said, Mr. Johnson, why do you do it? Why are you so generous? And he sat back and said, and I'll never forget this. Do you know those moments in your life that are sort of imprinted? You know what I'm talking about? You think, like you can see it, you can almost feel it. I can close my eyes and see this because I think the Lord did something in my life and in my spirit at that moment. He said, you know, the Lord's been really, really good to me and my family. And it seems to me the more I give, the more the Lord blesses me. Now, this was not some kind of quid pro quo kind of bargain that he had made with God where if, if, if I do this, then God must do that. He was just describing what is. Yeah. I, I don't know how to describe it, but it seems to me the more I give, the more the Lord blesses me. And I remember thinking to myself, I want to be, I want to be like that one day. What would that be like to be able to say that I know that experience in my own life. Well, I'm not what I used to be, and I'm not what I'm going to be because I'm growing in that area. I've got four or five things I'd like to say about this passage from uh, Corinthians, if I could. The first one is this. Generosity begins with God. He is the supplier of all that you have. If you have it, man, look, if you have it, it's because God gave it to you. If you have it, it's because he gave it to you. The passage says, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store. God is the one who gave it to you. He's not only the one who gave it to you, he retains ownership of it, which is the the principle of stewardship, right? If you have something, it's because God gave it to you. It's still his. And he wants you to manage it wisely and, and well. And, and, you know, the Lord, the Lord is the owner of everything, and he's never given that up. <coughs> you know, the, the scriptures say, for example, Deuteronomy says that to, to the Lord your God belong the heavens. Um, Psalmist said, Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, which is, you know, everything. Hebrew, the word everything means everything, right? <laughs> so it's everything, is, is the Lord's. He owns it all, and he wants us to manage it wisely and well. But we, we get sort of stuck, don't we? Because we tend to think that the stuff that we have is our stuff. And we want better stuff and shinier stuff and newer stuff. Who wants better stuff? Shinier stuff, newer, right, of course. And yet God, God retains ownership of everything that we have, and he wants us to manage it wisely and well. And it's really smart for us to think And remember, as we go through life, if I have it, it's because God gave it to me. And he wants me to be a good steward of it. Which means all of your resources, all of your money, all of your stuff, even your family, even your children, even even yourself, by the way, 
you're not you're not your own. You've been bought with a price, right? So, first thing to remember, what Howard Dayton put it this way, what I possess, God owns. Second big idea from this passage is that um, generosity results in blessing. What you, what you give away will multiply. Generosity results in blessing. Here's how it said it. Uh, the passage, remember it said, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. God's able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, you'll have all that you need. So the big idea that we're talking about there is that generosity results in blessing. There is something that God wants to do in you. He wants to bless you. And the pathway that leads us to that is that we are trusting him with the resources that he's given to us. And we're willing to share those with others. And it's hard, isn't it? It's hard to release those things that we have in our hands. It's hard to, to, to prayerfully consider all of those opportunities to give. Do you have a lot of people asking you to give? A lot of ministries, a lot of opportunities, a lot of stuff, right? So what do you do with that? How do you process that? How do you reflect on that? I think, I think what I would encourage you to think about is that if there's something that someone wants you to give to that you believe matters, and matters to God, it is likely that God wants you to be a part of that. There's a lot of stuff out there that people want me to give to that I think, you know, I don't think this really matters. This is for someone else to give to. This isn't for me. But when there's something that really seems like it is part of what God is wanting to do both in my life and in the world, I want to be a part of that. Because I want to see that work accomplished. I want to see lives transformed. I want to see ministry happen. But I also believe that when that happens out there, something happens in here too. God will do something on the inside of me because I'm getting to be a part of that work. I'm getting to be a part of that ministry. Generosity results in blessing. All those in favor of more blessing in your life say I. Right? Now again, I really don't want us to think of this as some sort of bargain that we make with God where he has to do something because of what we do. I really, I really disavow that whole concept of, you know, God's, God's required to bless me in some way because of my giving. That's just stinking thinking, right? Um, throughout the world, there are people who live dedicated, faithful, lives as followers of Jesus Christ and yet really do not have the kind of worldly blessings that we take for granted, right? So it can't mean that. But I do believe that generosity does in fact result in blessing. The passage there says that you'll have all that you need, not all that you want. Somebody say, yeah. This is, I mean, this is one of those lessons you learn as a kid, right? Uh, those of us, you know, dads, you, you try to provide for what your family needs, not necessarily what they want, right? God is no different. He, he cares for our needs. Generosity begins with God, and generosity results in blessing in our lives. I want to be a part of work that I can't touch physically. Sometimes the way I do that is by giving to it, and I get to be a part of it. I may never see physically what's happening, but I'm in it. 
because God allowed me to give to it. Some of the resources that God has entrusted to you, he doesn't want you to hold on to. He wants you to release so that some good things can happen in the world. Okay? All right, next big idea. You are blessed by God to be a blessing to others. This is the whole point. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. The idea here is that God wants us to share those blessings that we have with others, with those in need. Now, there's a great passage from Acts chapter 4. I'm going to point your attention to If you're making notes, you can just jot this down. But it's Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through about 35. It says that all the believers were one in heart and mind, and no one claimed that, that any of his possessions was his own. But they shared everything they had. There were no needy persons among them, for from time to time those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to everyone as they had need. Now imagine if this was the standard in your church. Pastor, can I get an amen, right? You imagine this? This is the idea. This is, this is the church. This is the body of Christ saying we will, we will not allow anyone around us to be in need. If I have it, it may well be because God wants me to use it to bless someone else, to share with someone else. This, this, is, this should land on you a little bit. I mean, I, this, there's some part of you that's probably wanting to do this right about now, you know, as I say that, because this is a, this is a hard saying, isn't it? Now, this is a principle from the scripture. This is a, this is a point in time. I certainly do not necessarily think that, that God is calling all of us to live in some sort of uh, socialized strategy where everything that I have must be shared with others. But the principle is really important, isn't it? If I, if I can see needs around me, it is very likely that God is giving me the resources to meet those needs, especially inside the body especially to those who we call brothers and sisters in Christ. It's powerful, by the way, when we do that. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. But there is something really amazing about the way the body of Christ has been called by God to be a generous place. Um, Will Mancini says that the, uh, generosity is the style of the universe. I love that. You think about God. God is a generous person. The universe that he's created, that we live in, this world that we call home is a generous system, caring for one another, serving one another, taking care of one another. It's kind of an amazing place to be in. Generosity is at the heart of who God is. And he wants that for us. When, when, I, when, I, when I talk to people about giving, when I talk to them about generosity and stewardship, I really want you to hear me say, this is not because there is something that God wants from you. It's something he wants for you. You, you with me on that? You understand that? Yes. God's good. He's, he's okay. He's, he's, he owns all the cattle on a thousand hills. He doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. And the scripture says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Sometimes I work with pastors and I'm trying to help them and encourage them to really create a culture of generosity in their church and really challenge people. And every now and then, 
a pastor will come to me and say, you know, I'm kind of getting a lot of, I'm getting a little pushback. You know, yeah, I'm getting a little bit of feedback from my people. I had a guy say to me the other day, you know, pastor, it seems like we talk about money around here more than we used to. <clears throat> and I always tell these pastors, okay, listen, next time that happens, here's what I want you to say. I am so glad you noticed that. And you, you picked up on that, didn't you? We are talking about money around here more than we used to. You know why? Because the Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I'm your pastor. And I care about your heart. Man, we have to talk about this. We never talk about this, do we? You talk about how much money you make with your friends? You talk about how much money you give with your friends? The guys that are holding you accountable, that you're in life, doing life with and really running with, the men that you are hoping will sharpen you as you sharpen them, do you share these kind of details with them? Probably not. Why is that? Well, how is it possible that something that was, that is, yes, giving is personal, but when did it become private? You know, um, sin loves secrecy, doesn't it? Yes. yes. I mean, sin thrives in secrecy. And for some of us, we need to let a little daylight in. We need a little sunshine in. We need to do a little bit more sharing with others where we are on this journey of becoming the generous Christian that God has called us to be. And remember, I'm not what I used to be. And I'm not what I'm going to be because God wants to work in me and do some stuff in me and through me. This, this scene from Acts chapter 4, this church is an amazing church. I want to go to that church. I want to be there. Randy Alcorn says this, God comes right out and tells us why he gives us more money than we need. It's not so we can find more ways to spend it. It's not so we can indulge ourselves and spoil our children. It's not so that we can insulate ourselves from needing God's provision. It's so that we can give and give generously. Too often we assume that God has increased our income to increase our standard of living when his stated purpose is to increase our standard of giving. God is blessing you so that you can be a blessing to others. And we need to be challenging others and one another in that area and encouraging one another. Catch me doing the right thing. Isn't it easy to catch people doing the wrong thing? I mean, I get that all the time. You know, I have a guilty conscience. And one of the reasons for that is I'm, I'm frequently guilty, actually. I just say things I shouldn't say. You know, do things I shouldn't do. I need men in my life who catch that. Sure, challenge me on that. But I also need men who catch me doing the right thing and can encourage that too. And sometimes this area is difficult because we don't tell stories of generosity and stewardship to others because we feel it would be prideful to do so. You know, we don't talk about how the Lord might have called us to share something or give something or let something go for the benefit of someone else or for the glory of God because it feels like we're bragging a little bit, doesn't it? I want us to try to break through that. I need you to tell me those stories where God has called you to be a generous Christian and you stepped into it and you went for it and you trusted God. And then 
And then I'll try to tell you some of those stories when the Lord calls me to do that because we need that kind of encouragement. We've been blessed by God richly, and the reason we've been blessed by him is so we can be a blessing to others. A couple more thoughts, and we'll wrap up. Um, this passage is super clear about another very important principle, and that's this, that generosity requires a plan. You have to have a plan. You have to think about this. You have to put a plan in place. It's not just something that's going to sort of happen in your life. You know, hey, I woke up today, and I just, I'm a generous Christian now, you know? You have to actually start and create a plan. The passage says, each of you should give what you have decided to give in your heart. Decided to give in your heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. you got to have a plan. How many of you are planners by nature? You like to make a plan, work the plan, yeah. stick with the plan, yes. How many, a little bit more? Make it up as you go along, you know, spontaneous <laughs> MacGyver, right? That guy. <laughs> Just bring a gun. <laughs> right? Make a plan. Um, how many of you planning people are, are lists? Any, any list makers here? Do you make lists? Right on. List making people. Excellent. Do any of you have people in your life that make lists for you? Hello. Right? Amen. Thank you. Uh, any of you list people do this? If you, may, if you do something that wasn't on your list, do you write it down and then check it yes. off? Who does that? That's pathological, by the way. That's just so messed up. That is just wrong. Uh, write this down. Get some help, okay? But the reason you do that, I think the reason planners are planners is you know that when you don't have a plan, you end up necess not necessarily where you wanted to go, right? When you don't have a plan, you don't always accomplish that thing you wanted to accomplish, right? Sometimes when you don't have a plan, you really end up in the ditch. It isn't just that you sort of just missed it. No, you actually went the entirely different direction, right? And for some of us, the reason why we're sort of stuck in this area of giving and stewardship, being the person that God has called us to be, is because we've really never actually sat down and said, Lord, what is my next step? What do, you, what do you have for me? What do you want me to do in this area of generosity and stewardship and giving? What's my next step? Lord, what is the number that you want me to give? Remember the passage says, each of them has decided in his heart what to give. Have you done that? Do you have a plan for how you're going to give a portion of what the Lord has entrusted to you back to him, to the kingdom of God? You've got to have a plan. There are some, I would imagine, there, are, there may be. Can I mess with you a little bit? Go you mind? There may, I mean, might as well. There may well be some men in this room that, if, um, that are not giving at all at your church. And can I just say, the Lord has something for you. It's not something that he wants from you. It is something that he wants for you. Take a step and start. I talked to a guy one time, pastor, he said, we got some guys we got so many people in our church that if they wanted a full refund on everything they've given, I'd be glad to give it to them, right? <laughs> you know, you got some people say, Lord, I'll, I'll, I'll triple my giving, Pastor, because, you know, three times nothing is still nothing, right? So we really want to encourage people to take a step. I'm, I'm, in, I'm challenging you, man. If that's you, start. Because, you know, I think the Lord has something for you. Others of us are kind of occasional in our giving, a little bit sporadic, right? We do a little bit of giving and then sort of when we feel like we can. 
My challenge to you men is that you get intentional. I mean, sit down with your wife if you're married, with yourself if you're not, and say, what is the number that God wants me to give on a consistent basis? We don't occasionally pay our cell phone bill. We don't occasionally pay the mortgage or the rent, right? We, we have a plan to pay it because it matters. And I want to encourage you in that area to think about what, what is that thing God wants me to do? Many of us grew up in, a, in an environment where we were taught tithing. Have you been taught tithing as a, as a kid? Giving not just 10%, of your, of your income back to the Lord, but what? The first 10%. Really, the, the, the more important principle in tithing is not the 10%, it's the first 10%. It's not the percentage, it's the priority. <laughs> because a tither says God's first. In my life, he's first. So maybe that's the step that God wants you to take. And then there are some of us, maybe we've been doing that a long time. You know, I'm a tither. Do you tithe? I tithe. You a tither? You know? And we sort of feel good about it. Bob Coy called himself a tickled tither. Because <laughs> he sort of thought of it as the finish line, as opposed to maybe just one of those steps on the journey of becoming the generous Christian that God has called him to be. At the very beginning of this plan or this journey, we're sort of asking the Lord, Lord, what portion of my money should I give? By the time you get to the end of it, listen to this. By the time you get to the end of it, I believe that we all should be saying, Lord, what portion of your money do you want me to keep? Because I'm giving away the rest. Imagine a, imagine a man who has sat down and asked the question, how much does it actually take for me to run my family business? Provide for my family? Appropriately provide for my future? I mean, and, and enjoy life too. I think God wants us to enjoy the blessings of of life, but a person who says, I have figured out how much money it costs for me to run that family business, and I'm gonna give away every penny beyond that. In your life, you'll probably meet, I don't know, a handful of people who live like that, but shouldn't that be normal Christianity? You know what I mean? Like, doesn't that sound like something that Jesus would want us to do? Is it getting warm in here? Is it just me? <laughs> iron sharpens iron. And sometimes, you know, we need to challenge each other a little bit. And I, I feel challenged by this. I remember one time sitting in, a, in, a, in an audience and a man said, um, what if the largest check you wrote every month was to the kingdom of God? Think about that. Well, for most of us, what's the largest check you write every month? Your mortgage or your rent, right? If you own your own business, you run your own business, maybe your contribution to your retirement because you hadn't been doing that for 20 years and you certainly need to get caught up. Wait a minute, that's just me. Um, but imagine the largest, the largest check you write every month is to the kingdom. Wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> Think about this. Think about the four or five most valuable things that you own. I'm not talking about grandpa's pocket watch with sentimental value, but... Things that have monetary value. You got it? What if God wanted you to turn one of those things into resources that you could invest in the kingdom of God? What would that look like? I'm talking about what does it look like for me to actually believe what the Bible says about generosity and stewardship and giving and then make a decision to go for it? Not what I used to be. And I'm not what I'm going to be. I think God wants me to, to grow in this area. Last thing, final thing, okay? 
I think there is something that God wants to do in me as I take steps of generosity and stewardship and become the person that God has called me to become. But I also think there is something that God wants to do through us, out there, in the world, because we're living generous lives. Um, Paul says your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. There is some, men, there is something powerful about generosity exercised in a community that is transformational for the people who, who are seeing it and experience it. There is, there, the, the church of Jesus Christ has been marked for 2,000 years by its passionate commitment to generously sharing with those in need. And we, we need to keep that up because this, this world we live in is in desperate need. Uh, last thing I'll just share with you from Acts chapter 6, a great passage, Acts chapter 6, verses 1 um, and following. I'll, I'll just sort of paraphrase it because I think you may know the story. The church is pretty new. They're having a problem. The problem is that they've overlooked the Greek widows in the daily distribution of food. Acts chapter 4 says that they've overlooked this group of people that are in need. They're not sharing with them. So these Greek widows are being left behind. And there's a problem. It could be that they were Greek. Maybe there's an ethnic bias here. It could be that they were women. Maybe it's because they're women. But anyway, the world is watching the church ignore some of their own people. It's bad. So they put a plan in place and they figure out how to take care of it. And Acts chapter 6, verse 7, should say, so they fed the Greek widows. Because that's what they did. But it doesn't say that. It says this. So 